Now, for the show that brings combat sports stories to life from the great state of Ohio, this is Forged in Ohio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of Forged in Ohio. My name is Jake Marin, and I'm the host of this podcast. Hopefully, you all enjoyed last week's interview with Lucas Sniper Sieber in the card he competed on this past weekend in Akron on Cage Thunder 19. It was an amazing event all around, and I'm sure I'll be joined by some of the winners from that card in future episodes of the podcast. But right now, I'm joined by a 3-in-1 amateur mixed martial artist. His foundation in wrestling combined with his strength and size differentiates this man, or should I say chief executive officer, from other amateur fighters. He is Mr. CEO himself, Briar Cadle. Thanks for coming on the show, Briar, and welcome to Forge in Ohio. What's up? It's a pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, the pleasure's mine, man. I'm grateful to have you on the show today. I emphasize the nickname in the intro, and we've seen the nicknames in MMA with Mr. In It, but I think Mr. CEO is completely unique to you. I know you've told this story before, but how'd you get that nickname? Yeah, I used to work at like Walmart when I was 18. Like I've, I've mentioned it before, like everybody there, I don't want to say anything negative towards anybody, but everybody there is always like down in the dumps. Every day I used to walk in, not, not giving a shit about the job, just wanted to be happy. And I'd tell them, I'd be like, you guys look so bummed out. Like, they look like they're, I don't know, using drugs or something. I was like, come on. And I'd just tell them every day, I'm the CEO of this place. They'd always tell me, shut the hell up. <laughs> I don't know, worry about myself, stuff like that. Every day I'd walk in to say, I own this place. And it'd either make some people laugh or it'd make some people really pissed. And I, ever since then, like, that's just kind of how I would like to say I would like to live my life. Cause, you know, they, they say like rents do every day and all that stuff. And I just don't live by that because no matter what it is, if you're losing, winning or whatever, you should own it. Get your ass beat in a fight, own it. If you win the biggest fight of your life, own it. Going through heartbreak, own it. Own up to because there's a reason why that you're in, that happened or you're in that position. So I just kind of stuck with them. I was like, I like that, and it just sounds it's just gangster too, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, and I believe it goes even further. You know, you have the, the Walmart logo on your shorts for the first fight in your career, and then something about a tattoo as well. Am I getting that right? Yeah, I have the Walmart star on my foot. What, in, what inspired that? I mean, how did you go through the process of actually getting that tattoo on your foot? <laughs> because, like I just said, it's, it's like a star. It's like a crosshairs to, like, a scope, I said, right on my foot. So when I kick someone in the head or kick them in the stomach, I'm hitting them with that Walmart star, and I'm owning them. So that's kind of how I think about it. And you have a, a ton of tattoos. Is that your favorite, or are there other favorites of yours? <laughs> I got a lot of junk tattoos, too. So, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I have another, a couple other ones that I like a lot. They have to do with my deaths in my family and stuff like that. So, But definitely the Walmart one is definitely one of the ones that, that I like, that's for sure. Sure, and I want to kind of go way back in your career and ask you how you got into combat sports initially and then mixed martial arts specifically as well. Yeah, for sure. Like, I got into wrestling when I was, damn, basically still in diapers. I was three years old. My dad had shoes on me. And then from there, you know, I wrestled. We traveled everywhere. Like, my dad told me if you're going to do something, we're going to be all in about it. 
but I wanted to be an athlete. So I played other sports, of course. And then I think it was like I was like eight years old, like six, seven, eight, nine. I, I really don't know. It was a lot of years ago. My uncle started an MMA gym in a little town called Rossville, Ohio, called Main Street Gym. And he also had a wrestling club out of it for the bitty kids. And then he had the MMA gym for the adults and stuff like that. And we had a lot of top guys coming in and out of that gym. And, uh, like, I don't know, like guys like Justin, Steve, Joe McCall, Zach Garbrandt, Cody Garbrandt was there. There's just so many names that were in and out of that gym that I, I was just a baby. And I was like, holy shit, these guys are these guys are badass. And I, I want to be like that. I'd go home every day telling my mom, like, I want to box. And it was at my own uncle's house. So I was like, I want to box. I want to do this. My mom was always like, no. My mom and dad would always get kind of arguments about it because he wanted me defending myself, learning how to fight and stuff like that. And then it just never worked out because, like, it's not something they would be all in with me about. So when I turned 18, I said, screw it. I'm going to first boxing practice. But up until then, like, I was just a wrestling, wrestling and hard-nosed son of a gun. How do you eventually get your parents on board for you and your fighting career? Or are they still kind of against it right now? They're definitely all in now. I think when they realized that, I was going to bum off them as long as I could until to show them how passionate I truly was towards, you know, my life with fighting. I think they finally just gave up. I was like, all right, this is what he loves and wants to do. So we got to support him in something or his parents. And they realized that where my potential was. And, you know, they, they realized that that's, that's my thing. Right. And you mentioned being around all those amazing athletes just as a kid being around the gym. What was that like? And did you kind of look up to those guys in a way? Uh, For sure. I mean, I definitely looked up to them. I mean, being around them was something else. Like, uh, you know, just seeing a lot of just seeing the different side of like the fight life compared to just being a normal like, I don't know, just wake up and do your thing. For me, I was wake up, go to school. But when I went to the gym, my uncle's gym, being around them kind of people, I was like, wow, these guys are, like, they're different from everyone else. They're crazy. They're, it's not someone, like, dude, you'd hear your parents saying, like, I would never mess with that person, like, stuff like that. So, I mean, it's definitely inspiring, that's for sure. You mentioned your foundation was in wrestling. So I'm curious, how did the transition from wrestling to MMA go? I know you were around MMA gyms when you were younger. You started off in boxing, you said. But when was that transition? When did it take place? And how did that go for you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, I started, like, I did boxing. A couple practices, like, when I turned 18 and stuff. But I transitioned to MMA, like, when I realized, like, after my senior, or I did a year of college wrestling, but. After I got out of college, like, I did, well, yeah, I did a year of college and then wrestled, and I realized, like, I want to be, I am, I am on that level. I am, like, I want to be the best of the best. I, wanna, I have it written down on my locker. I have it, I write, if you came to my house, you open every drawer in my house up. Like, there's this random note card saying I will be a UFC fighter, and then I sign my signature because I, I, I want to sign my signature from, from, for a living, but, I like, I realized my potential when I dropped out of college was, was not that I knew it was high. Like I knew I could be the best of whatever I do. And I see all these wrestlers transition over to MMA and I'm like, all right, if we're in a fist fight, I really like, yeah, you might whoop my ass in wrestling. 
but I know what level of a wrestler I am too. Like just because one year or one match or something didn't go my way, don't define like who the wrestler I was. So I just put that belief, hard work and uh, fighting because I mean, you got to work hard when you fight and it just, it just transitioned from there. Like I was like, okay, there's wrestlers in MMA as well. So, but the thing is, like I was like, these wrestlers aren't going to beat me in a fist fight. So I was like, we got to, make sure it's we're if we're going to transition over we gotta you know we gotta train everything we gotta retrain wrestling again we got jujitsu boxing everything so i don't know i mean i did it and we're doing it so yeah i always like asking this question to wrestlers that i have on forge in ohio who made that transition in the past you know, you're in wrestling and you're competing in matches like that, but then when you make the transition to MMA, you have to worry about all these other disciplines and actually taking shots to the head. What was that transition for you in, like, those first couple days being in the gym and sparring and being in jiu-jitsu and things like that? Hard, that's for sure. I mean, I remember my first day at my gym with my coach. I um, actually almost got a fist fight with my coach because I walked in there thinking that nobody, I mean, because nobody really is, was the wrestler I was on my team. And uh, so I walked in my first day, like, like I was like a hard ass or something. And I think my coach choked me out like <laughs> 10 different times. And I still got up thinking I was a hard ass. And I, I just remember him. I remember that day, clear as day. Like he pushed me off the stage, was all up in my face and stuff. And I was just like, I told him, calm down, dude. I didn't realize that this would make you that mad. But I mean, it just shows that every martial art is important for a reason. And are you still affiliated with Common Ground Grappling Club? Yeah, it's actually called Champions Mixed Martial Arts now. But yeah, same owners, same coaches and stuff like that. So you're the first fighter I've had on the program from that gym. How'd you get the start there and what's it like training at that gym? Yeah, so my training partner, Lucas Mast, uh, great guy. Um, great father, great teammate, everything. I actually, he, in our area at the time, he was, he, he was, is, he was ranked number one in Ohio as an amateur. And uh, he was like undefeated, he was like eight and one, seven one, nine one, I forget, somewhere up there. And I just, everybody else around, like, no, there's some studs around me, but like, I needed to get out of the county I lived in as well. I was like, I need to get out of here or I'm going to end up in trouble. And he'd be surrounded by better people and or people I need to meet new people. I just needed to live with gratitude. And I uh, always knew of my training partner, Lucas Mast, and I, my barber. Lucas is actually a barber as well, but my barber from down home, he started talking to me about him because he's good buddies with him. And he's like, dude, you need to get with him, blah, blah. And I told my barber, I was like, actually, get a hold of him because like I would love to start training with him. I think he would level i mean he'd teach me a lot of stuff and so we ended up linking up and through my barber and it's just kind of how it is he invited me out and just been hitting it off for a few years now about two or three years you fought twice at lightweight and twice at featherweight in your career do you have a preference moving forward in the immediate future in regard to what weight class you'd like to compete in featherweight's definitely my weight light when i fight lightweight that's me saying screw it i just want to fight either the person can't make the weight wants to fight some another weight or this is the only option we have like that's when i'm at 55 and but featherweight's my weight i, I could definitely see myself 
It'd be hard, but I'd like to go bantamweight. I just think that'd be sweet. There ain't too many damn near six foot, 135 pounders. So I could see that too. Yeah, and you're still very young. I'm sure the body still has a lot to develop. Would you like to fight at bantamweight sometime in your career? For sure. I could see. I think at the end of my amateur career, right before I make the jump to pro, I think I'm going to test it out, see, make the cut, see how I, how healthy I feel. And if I, if I feel fine, like I'm going to compete a couple of times there. And if it goes well, then hell, I might compete pro at Bantamweight. Wow. So is the, the cut to featherweight relatively easy for you? It's not that bad of a process? Yes and no. I think I get down to like, I'll walk around like 165 and I'll get down to about 150 and that last five pounds, it's, it's tough. But I think this last pass fight, I did a IV drop like a week before my fight. And I was like, I was probably only like seven pounds overweight a week before. Like I was golden. I could still eat full meals and stuff I wanted to. I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm used to cutting weight, so I know how to what I can cheat on, when, the time limit, everything. But uh, I did an IV, and about a week before then, I stepped on the scale. I was still, like, it, all that water weight, it put me, like, 15 pounds over, like, four days before weigh-ins or something mm. stupid. And I, I was freaking out. So the last fight, that cut was hard. But usually, it, it, it's just a weight cut. I don't know. Talking to Briar, Mr. CEO Cato on Forged in Ohio. Let's get into your actual fighting career so far to this point. You debuted just over three years ago against Jonathan Wood. What do you think of when you look back at that fight and what that debut might have meant to you in the moment? That fight is everything. Like that, that gave me a first taste of what it's like to succeed as an adult, succeed as, not even succeed, but just gave me a passion again gave me hope it gave me life it gave me a win so i mean that that win's definitely important i mean i was young green is still green but really green and i don't know i was just i'm happy with that one that's for sure and i believe it took place just days before your 20th birthday i couldn't imagine a better birthday present than picking up your first win in mma but what was the celebration like after that big win uh, I believe I went to Kane's Chicken and then went home. <laughs> I think I was sore. I, I was like a lot of adrenaline dump. I was like, holy shit, I just got a fight. <laughs> so not much celebration after that first win? <laughs> nah. Uh-uh. I think I hung out with a girl. So. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, not yeah, much yeah. waiting for you either between that first fight and your second fight. Just two months after your debut, you submitted Jamie Hamby in 2020 via rear naked choke in round three. Your wrestling and power was in full effect that night. Talk to me about that dominating second outing for you. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't much. That wasn't a very competitive fight, but I just, I, I remember telling myself in that fight, like, hey, all right, the first one was a lot of adrenaline dump, a lot of nerves, stuff like that. But that second fight, I was like, that's actually like, you know you're athletic, but you know you're fast, you know you're powerful. Like, like let's let's have fun in this one. Let's turn it on. Because I, I really felt no threat from the kids. So I was like, let's just have fun. And, and I did. And definitely shit I could have looked better on. But again, a win's a win. And especially if we finish it, I guess that's even better too. So... 
Yeah, and was that reassurance that you kept on telling yourself what allowed you to feel so comfortable in there and have fun like you did? Yeah, I was just on a roll. I, the first fight was like, that kind of told me like, wow, you can fight. I already knew. I mean, I've been in a few street fights here and there and shit like that. But like, actually being in like a sanctioned fight on the first one, that kind of told me you can fight. Going on the second one, I was like, told yourself last time you could fight and you showed it. Let's fight this time and get the results, got the results, moved on the next one and so on. So, yeah, that reassurance helps. Yeah, and that was your first fight that you got a finish in. Of course, that rear naked choke in round three, like I mentioned. What was it like mm -hmm. getting that first finish in your career? It was good. I mean, it felt like a finish, I guess. Felt dominant. Pumped me up, that's for sure. <laughs> And that was a submission win. Are you still on the hunting for a knockout win, or are you trying not to have that mindset going into the cage? I'm honestly trying not to have that mindset. I know where my power is. I'm probably the hardest hitting featherweight in Ohio. I, I know that for a fact. I'm, I'm six foot tall, and when I hit you, it's a left hand, so it's coming right down the, right down the middle, straight as fuck, and I know it's going to hurt. And it's right now, it's all about it's because I'm green. I just... I need to make sure my, you know, my feet are in the right spot. It's all science. So it's a sweet science. We're going to get there. I know that, but I ain't hunting for it. I'm just going to keep dominating. Featherweights beware in the state of Ohio. Uh, there was a 10-month a layoff between your second fight and your third fight. What was the reason for that layoff between fighting Hamby and Leeson? Um, I really don't know if I have an answer for that. I just think... Maybe life was going on. I lost track of shit. If I, I, if I could or want, I, I would like to fight once a month. That'd be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really, I really don't know. Maybe I was just focusing more on training, trying to find a fight. I don't know. Right. And let's talk about that lease on fight. You exchanged early leg kicks that stumbled both of you in that fight. From the broadcast, it sounded like two planks of wood just smacking against each other. How did that feel early on in the fight? Was it nearly as bad as it sounded? No, I don't think his kick was bad. I know um, probably a lot of adrenaline. I, I do remember them kicks. I remember I fell like right to my knees. I was like, oh, shit. We both kind of like fell down, tripped. But I was like, damn. That was the hard first exchange. <laughs> I was like... So I got in the mentality that I'm in a fight real quick. Yeah, it was just super loud from the broadcast and watching that video on YouTube. And something else I noticed while watching that fight were the groin strikes, and especially the one in the second round of that fight. You were sent back in pain, and I'm sure you don't like thinking about those moments, but how bad was that shot you took in the second round and even in the fight in general because that wasn't the only groin strike in that fight? Yeah, I remember the first one. He needed me and the yeah the groin or whatever i was like all right man like we were pretty mutual like i was like whatever i'll still let it slide like shit shit happens and then did the second one i'm just like this motherfucker <laughs> come on i mean it hurt it took the wind out of me i know that were you surprised that nothing was nothing happened in the moment a point wasn't taken away anything like that kind of i mean considering after the first one you'd think it's like dude Either don't throw knees or, yeah, don't hit me in the don't hit me in the groin. And you ended up winning that fight by split decision, but the commentary was kind of ruthless, saying that they felt sorry for your opponent. 
when you look back at that fight, do you think you had done enough to win? Absolutely. I won the whole fight every round and commentary. They, like I've said before, they probably golfed for a living. They probably, <laughs> they probably never even, if they did get in a fight, they got dropped or something real quick. I, I always talk shit about that commentary because it cracks me up because we're in the kid's backyard. I think the kid only, only has fought out of that promotion before. It's like, dude, just because I'm coming over here and I don't know, clearly winning just because he has a couple hard shots that should have been point deducted, like shouldn't make you side. I mean, the takedowns, the control time, even the combinations. If you threw a combination, it was either a one or a one-two. If I was throwing combinations, they might have been sloppy, but it was either three or four to like trying to head kick him. Like, I don't know. So screw them. They're con- they they do that job, and I'll do mine. <laughs> right. So you were in enemy territory for that fight. I actually wasn't aware of that. What was that kind of environment like? It was different. If I could do that every fight, I would. I, I, wow. I like going in the backyard. That, that's just It makes it feel like more like an experience, more like a warrior. I don't know. Just walking into someone, like, all odds are against you, and you're going there for, like, a fight. So it just makes me feel like Spartan. <laughs> I don't know. So you I'd like rather, playing the role of the bad guy and going in there and making the hometown fans go home kind of sad or mad at you? Yep, but there's always risk and reward with that. So, Yeah, for sure. It's definitely interesting. Um, after that fight, though, there was an even longer layoff for your third and fourth fight. It was over your long, and I, I know you broke your jaw in that fight. What was the recovery like for you and after that third fight of your career? Mm, I know. I'm going to interrupt you there. I never broke my jaw. I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that sucked. That was definitely life-changing. A lot of things happened since that, man. That, that fight, I mean, that happened. And then, I mean, I'm bullheaded. So I think I was grappling again two months after surgery, trying to. And I got infection in my bone, actually, a couple months later. And I was shut down for that. And then, I don't know, everyone has excuses. I don't really like talking about this. I like acting like it never happened. But uh, I don't know. Grandpa died. There's just so much shit. I could keep talking, but as a fighter, who cares? Yeah, just one more follow-up question, if I can, about the the jaw injury. Inside the cage in that fight, how soon did it actually happen? Was it in the first round, or was it a, a later in the fight thing? Yeah, it was like the first 20 seconds of the fight. Oh wow! Was it a punch or what? What happened? No, he flying kneed me. I lower. Yeah, he came running at me with a flying knee, and I lowered the double leg him, and my face met his knee. <laughs> well, and you're still able to fight through it, and of course, pick up the decision win in that third fight. Once again, this is Briar's Mr. CEO Cato with us on Forge in Ohio. We'll leave that there. I want to talk about your last fight, where you lost your. Your MMA, your first MMA fight last October at Cage Thunder 17 to Cool Hand Luke McMurtry, who I had on episode two of Forge in Ohio. Uh, you threatened to submission yourself after being taken down, then took top position after getting submitted, and then you got submitted from a north-south choke. In your mind, what went wrong for you in that wild exchange on the ground? Honestly, yeah. I mean, that fight, I, it's just, I don't know. It, it, we got in a little wrestling exchange. He took me down, mm-hmm. and I was like, holy shit, I just got taken down. That don't happen. And it happened, so I was like, okay, whatever. 
and then I think I reversed him and then we just kind of fished around and he reversed me back and when he reversed me back he had my neck already in the north south choke and honestly in my mind I didn't even really I didn't tell myself like all right you're in a fight yet like usually there's a time where that clicks like mm. and it never clicked and like he had my neck and he lowered his shoulder put it where it was supposed to be and like I was just like fuck I ain't like I ain't getting out of this without either getting passed out or, you know, I definitely, I don't want to say I fucking just gave up, but like, it was almost like, well, this fucker has me. And, you know, I tapped and that's something I, I, I will never do again in my life is tap out. I was, I've never been so embarrassed since and life moves on. Good, good for him. Uh, nine times out of 10, I win that fight. I just wasn't my night. And, I ain't going to be like that, though. So congrats to him. And we'll, um, I know where I'll be in five years, and I don't give a fuck where anybody else is in five years. So that's that. Do you think you were close to submitting Luke after he took you down, or was there not really enough leverage on that guillotine attempt? No, there was nothing. Like, he took me down, I tried to grab it, and then yeah, I think he transitioned maybe side control or something, and then I had my feet on the cage, flipped over, and then it was just... I don't know. It's just all, all spur of the moment shit. I was like, damn. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know it's an amateur loss, and I've talked to amazing fighters in the past who have losses, and I think I'm talking to one right now as well. With that being said, it was still the first uh, loss of your MMA career, and you mentioned how it was embarrassing for you to tap out. How did that affect you? And just talk to me about the emotions after that fight. Um, emotions were... Uh they're there i mean mm-hmm. like I, I realized that yeah that's the most embarrassing thing that probably ever happened to me but like i knew all right you like i knew where i was in the past like everything i've been through like all that shit what it takes to even lock myself in that cage again after what happened where everybody else would probably still be drooling from what happened to me you know like there's just so much shit that i really wasn't focused on being the baddest motherfucker in training camp that fight i was really just focusing on telling myself i can do it again i can define all odds nobody's going to tell me that i can never fight again that i can't fight again that i need to stop i need to get it stay at my job and only work my job like i need like i was just like no i'm gonna live my life exactly how i was and what made me the highest i've ever felt and that's how what i'm gonna do and then that's truly all i focused on and that's that so did you really ever feel like yourself in that training camp or even going into that fight that night against Luke McMurtry? No, not at all. I think I probably only trained like in a total probably like 15 times. Mm. <laughs> like, well, I mean, we found out we were fighting the kid probably almost two months before the fight. Like, not not quite two months. I found out I was fighting him. And at that time, I, I mean, on some selfish, cocky stuff, like I was just like, yeah, we're getting, we're four now. We're four now. I ain't worried about it. And just because I was like, damn, my name's on the dotted line again. We're going this again. Timeline's down. And I really wasn't, I haven't done shit. Like I live, you know, I work, you know, work was messing me up. I live an hour from my gym. Like there's so much stuff that I was like, damn, I really haven't been putting in the time like I need to be. Like, okay, if you know you're working, I need to be up before work at the gym. No, I'm working. I need to stay at the gym later come home later. like there's just so much shit and time ended up running out and i think two weeks before no three weeks before the fight i 
thought I blew my shoulder out. I like went to the ER for that, and I completely shut my training down, my focus down three weeks because I was just trying to even be able to show up to the fight. And yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot that last fight, and no excuse. I still got my ass beat, so. <laughs> but I know I'm just saying that for the next. That was a life lesson. Put it that way, that just because you say you're tough. You might have some results proving it, but if you're not tough in the moment right now, then you're not tough and it don't matter. So, yeah, life lesson. Right. And that's a great mindset to have. It sounds like you've gone through a lot of adversity in life and having that loss in your last fight, did you let it affect you much or how does that adversity really compare to some of the other things that you've had to go through in life? It, 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 if it's affecting me, it's affecting me for the better. I can finally feel like I can breathe again. Like, I feel like if this is sh- truly what you want to be true about with life, then that's the first step to being true. I don't, getting humbled. So, I mean, it's all right. I like the way it, it, it didn't affect me in any bad way. Does a fight like that just make you even hungrier to get back out there and fight again? Yep. Uh, like, I, I've noticed this even with my training. Like, even me and my coach have kind of been going through a lot with each other right now because he knew my potential in that last play, and I did as well. And we just kind of, like, were confused on why it didn't show. And now when I train, I just I can feel the passion I had back before in my first and second play. I feel it back. Like, I'm hitting extra moves. When he blows the whistle, I'm still fucking drilling. And while everybody else is getting a drink, and, I mean, I only for a couple seconds just to sh- – Proving my coach that I do want to be the only, the last person there putting in the extra work. I do want to, and and I believe if you have a coach that trusts you, and you have a athlete that trusts his coach. Like watch out. So I think uh, it shaped me up good for these next, for anything that's next. Do you feel like you have something to prove next time you fight, whether that be to yourself, your team, coaches, or to others even too? Um, no, it's always me versus me. Um, mm. I don't really have to prove anything to my team. They know how, what they mean to me and what I mean, I know what I mean to them. So, uh, if anything, I, I like, I don't know, definitely, if anything, I, I want to prove to my team that well, what a little bit of hard work can do and what a little bit, you know, just give thanks to believing in me to get, to get me to that moment of what I know is going to happen in my next fights. So. Sure. And other than competing in MMA, I've seen on your social media accounts that I believe you've also competed in Nogi, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and boxing. What drew you to compete in those fights and what were those experiences like? Just anything to do with combat sports, I'm in. And like my coach, he gets so mad at me because like I'll call him like because the way I look at my sports MMA and there's not more violent than that. And if I see like a Facebook friend post on Facebook that they're they're having a burner, like a barn burner boxing event or a boxing match, jiu-jitsu tournament, like I'll just take it. I'll be like, if it's my weight, I need it. I'll be like, yeah, I'll I'll text the promotion guy and be like, yeah, I'll do it. Just because it ain't my sport, so I don't really give a shit. And I'll text my coach and be like, hey, I'm boxing this weekend or something. He'll be like, bro, <laughs> like he gets so mad, and I get it. Like he should be mad at me for that stuff. Would you ever consider competing in those type of disciplines when you are professional? Yeah, uh, I I consider 
yeah, definitely. I, I just still don't know which one I want to like. Obviously, right now in mind is I want to pursue MMA, but like, I also want to be a sweet ass boxer. I also want to be a, you know, I don't know, tapping out some of the best jujitsu mm-hmm. guys. So it just depends, I guess. And have you had a lot of success in those type of events where you go out and try boxing and uh, BJJ? Mm, BJJ, yeah, just wrestling, right? Grinding like, um, but boxing, I, I got my ass beat a couple times. I remember one time I went to West Virginia, thought it was like some smoker, and no, we walked into like a bigger high school, like they got, I don't know, commentary that it's all blacked out, lights everywhere, the crowd, like it's sold out gym, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I haven't sparred, I haven't done anything. I look at my coach, I'm like, dude, I didn't know it was like this. <laughs> And yeah, he laid one on me that night. And but I was just like, whatever. I got better in my striking tonight and drove home. <laughs> I know the goal for you is to turn professional and potentially sign with the UFC one day in mixed martial arts. But when do you think that transition happens in your career, just turning from amateur to professional? I'm 23 now. I think you know I've said it in other podcasts, but um, I think I forget like 23, 24. Wanted to be fighting for Bellator, but I mean anything can happen every day. But I think just making the jump to pro, it's going to be 25. I think I'm going to fight towards the second half of this year a lot, probably two or three times. And I think when I'm 24, I'm going to fight a lot, and then when I'm 25, I might fight another amateur fight or two, and then yeah, it's just going to happen. And but when I go pro, I'm going to sign with a promotion not just local promotions. Right, and that's certainly a, a smart plan. And you mentioned you want to become more active. When can fans actually experience you and all your glory next inside the cage? I'm thinking this this April, April or May. I'm getting back in there. Awesome, that's pretty soon. Is there any talk of an opponent, promotion, a location, uh, anything like that? I think I there's a couple of promotions. My, my coach said the Arnold Classic. That was a cool one. We might check out. And then, which that's actually end of March. And said something about an opponent, but he won't tell me who yet until mm-hmm. we know that we're both chasing the same mission. So right now, I mean, I am, but we just got to stay consistent and stay after it and so we can actually identify it and have it. So. Yeah, well, I'm certainly looking forward to that. I'm sure you are, too, to get that loss out of your mouth and just really show out and show all of your talents out there in the cage. Uh, Before we wrap up, I want to give you the opportunity to shout out anything in terms of social media handles, sponsorships, things going on at the gym, sparring partners, anything like that. Uh, The floor is yours. Go ahead. Yeah, um, follow me on Instagram. It's BriarKittle145. And I'd like to shout out just my parents, first of all, for never giving up on what I dream of um, training partner, Lucas Mast for always, you know, giving his time up away from his wife and kid and everything just to get a session. And I mean, it's helping him as well, but, or, or, I mean, there's times he wants to relax. Um, but other than him, my coach, Jose Burgos, Devin Mazik, another coach of mine that I worked with a lot sponsors. I have DJ welding out of Yorksville, Ohio, his name's Dwight Johns, Terp Science Labs out of California, it's a CBD company, 
Reyes tanning. Like there's so I, I could go on about everyone that supports me and they all know who they are. So mm-hmm. I'm forever thankful for all you guys and all my friends, family, just everything. And I'm just telling you guys all now, just watch out because what they've seen before is nothing to what we're about to accomplish. I love it, Briar. And I want to thank you again for joining me on the show. It was a pleasure being able to talk to you and get your perspectives on this wild sport. You know, the show is called Forged in Ohio. And if you've listened to any other interviews, then you know I like to end these conversations with the infamous chant for our state. So, OH. IO. Thanks, Briar. And thanks again for your time, for coming in and talking to me. And I know you'll rebound from the loss last October and, and come back better than ever, man. Awesome. I appreciate you, man. That was Briar, Mr. CEO Cadel, the three and one amateur mixed martial artist who poses great strength with his wrestling. And he's also developing that long and mean striking game as well. I'm excited to see how he bounces back from his loss to Luke McMurtry at Cage Thunder 17. And Cadel certainly has the pieces and parts to inflict a lot of damage in his MMA career. That's going to do it for episode 17 of Forged in Ohio. I certainly appreciate those of you that have made it this far into the podcast. As always, I ask for your support in following Forged in Ohio on Instagram and even taking that extra step in downloading episodes and sharing them with others as well. Thank you all for tuning in. I've been your host, Jake Murin, and this was Forged in Ohio.